As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Head of the Pack is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with my good pal Bill Huber. He is back in Wisconsin. I'm in the Levi's Stadium press box. It is 12.48 local time here in California. Um, what a game. I mean, it was 17-0, then it was 17-14, then the 49ers came all the way back to take a 27 uh 28-27 lead, Jesus, I'm already getting, you guys know how it works, we get delirious at this hour, 28-27 uh, lead, and then the Packers pull the rabbit out of a hat, drive 42 yards in 34 seconds, and Mason Crosby hits a 51-yard walk-off field goal. Bill, how would you describe that game? We'll start with that. I think what Rodgers said after the game is it gives these guys, God, what did he say? Not relevancy, but what's the word he used? It, is, it has been a long night. Um, <laughs> but, you know, everyone is so fixated on week one against New Orleans, and they're still fixated on the first half against Detroit, and they came back and beat a crappy team. This gives the team, um, this this is their legit, legit team. There, there's no sugarcoating. I realize that 49ers had some guys out, but so the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Matt, he's invested in winning. Did you know that? I mean, that video of him reacting to the kick was was pretty cool to see. And I, listen, I don't like to give credence to that narrative that he didn't want to be here or he didn't like winning um, or he wasn't fully bought in. I, I always thought that was bogus. But mm-hmm. you don't want to say the Packers needed this win, but in a way it – sent a statement to the rest of the league that we aren't the team that got blown out in week one against the Saints, that we are going to be one of the contenders in the NFC to make the Super Bowl, uh, that we can win games when there are faults on special teams and on defense. And tonight they did that. And everything late in that game made you think the Packers were going to lose that lead and not get it back. But then they took a punch to the mouth and gave one right back. And I think that shows a lot about this team. Um, 
And it's a far cry from what we saw in week one. So I would agree with you. I do think they are for real. What a difference 37 seconds makes, right? Whew. If you lose your one and two, and look, the NFC North stinks, and it's <laughs> they still would have been in first place. But what a difference 37 seconds makes on just the the vibe, the reality, you you name it. It just makes a huge difference. Two and one is such a gigantic difference over one and two. Beating a really good team over a near miss is a, it's it's hard to quantify just what a big deal tonight is. Let's start with some of the individual performances. We'll start. I want to start with Devontae Adams first because um, that hit that he took midway through the fourth quarter when Rodgers went for him deep over the middle and Jimmy Ward kind of hit him in the chest and the helmet at the same time with his own helmet, I thought he was out cold. It looked like he was out cold. Watching the replay back, he was not. Um, According to Adams, he just got the wind knocked out of him really badly, and he was having trouble breathing, so he was lying there still to try and get his breath back. I watched the replay. His eyes were open. Um, He was moving. I think he just got the wind knocked out of him really badly. And and what he said to us after the game was that trainers uh, initially suspected a concussion because he went down. So they made him go into the medical tent on the sideline. But he quickly cleared concussion protocol. And then I was stunned when he was back on the field because I thought it was a concussion thing too. But it wasn't. Um, Adams said he was ready to go back in right when he got back to the sideline. But the trainers wouldn't let him. They were like, let's at least do a, a couple quick concussion tests. And He cleared those and came back in, and I'm writing in my story right now. You know, the the performance he put in after that and then coming back to make those two huge catches on the final drive, yeah, there there was a drop here and there, um, or I guess just one, really. And him and Rodgers weren't on the same page all night, but 12 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown, I think tonight was further proof why he's the best wide receiver in football. Yeah, I'm not sure who asked post-game. Um, I asked Adams, how did you come back so soon? He said, well, how I'm able to get through it is I'm different. That's probably the main thing. And, and it seems like such bluster, but he is different. Man, he, that, is, that is one talented, tough, hard-minded individual. And when every, it still boggles the mind, Matt, that how everybody in the place knows who's going to get the football, and they still can't stop the guy. Yeah. You know, some teams have had some success, but the 49ers are a legit defense, and he 12 catches, and, and when the game went to the line, he was, he was fairly wide open on both plays. And what he said here, I'll read the quote off from him. Um, he said, I think the fact we had no timeouts played a lot into it because they were kind of shielding that sideline, so the middle of the field was pretty wide open. And it was interesting because that first play they ran um, with 37 seconds left was something they designed in practice on Thursday, and Rodgers made it. From my understanding, Rodgers made a a quick alteration to one of the routes. Randall Cobb um, wasn't initially, in in the original play design, wasn't supposed to run that uh, deep post route. Um, But Rodgers kind of changed it up, and Cobb ran about 20 yards straight up the field, then hit the post right at about about a 45-degree angle to take Jimmy Ward, the safety, away from the middle of the field. That allowed Adams who ran about 15 yards straight and then cut in sharply on a 90-degree angle to the left to have space in the middle. Now, Aaron Rodgers had to put in a perfect throw because Fred Warner, who Aaron Rodgers himself has called the best middle linebacker in football, even at his young age, was right there. And Rodgers literally thread it. And I, I'm trying to show the space between my fingers here. Um, 
great podcasting since it's not a visual, but uh, <laughs> just thread it right over Fred Warner's fingers. Like it was a perfect throw, 25 yards. Adams kind of danced around. He said after the game he wished he would have just like gone forward, but um, 25 yards and then you know, two plays later, they have kind of the same thing where Adams just finds space in the middle of the field. It's inexplicable why you leave the best wide receiver. I mean, I, I understand why it happened because uh, Adams explained it to us, but he was wide open and you saw the fist pump from Rodgers after he spiked it with three seconds left. Adams said he knew the game was over uh, at that point because he has so much faith in Mason Crosby and just really impressive late game execution from uh, Rogers, Adams, and Crosby, who are the focus of my main story, which you can read on The Athletic tomorrow morning, if I finish it. That pass, Fred Warner is 20 yards deep in coverage. Yeah. I, you, know, you, you held your fingers about an eighth of an inch apart. I would have loved to have known just how far. It was reminiscent in a different kind of way of the Super Bowl, the clinching completion to Greg Jennings, which somehow got over and between people. It was an it's one of those things that you don't catch live, or at least I didn't. But I mean, when I went back to Game Pass and looked at it, it's like, holy crap, that was pretty amazing. And then, yeah, that that, that second completion, he was between four defenders, but there's really nobody buying those. The, the key to that play was Aaron Jones just wiped out Nick Bosa, and Robert Tunyon wiped out D. Ford. Yep. Um, Yash Nyman, he never touched Bosa on the play. And Billy Turner finally touched Ford after Rodgers threw the ball. That's how good the chip blocks were. The, their, their offensive tackles didn't have to block anybody. It was amazing blocking. Yes, uh, I would agree. And I, I think watching the game back closely when I get a chance to do so tomorrow, uh, I'll look closer at the offensive line. But I, I did want to talk about Nyman because that first drive was a nightmare. You know, Nick, but I, watching that first drive, I thought it was going to be a long night for Nyman. Yep. But the Packers used... Um, a really effective quick game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up the, a stat from Next Gen Stats here, but I think they did a really good job utilizing the quick passing game, um, some effective runs, and they helped out with with chip blocks and running backs and tight ends helping out in that regard. So they were able to kind of neutralize both. So here it is. Um, more good podcasting. All right. Well, this was through the third quarter, so not updated, but. Aaron Rodgers' average time to throw through the first three quarters was 2.24 seconds, his quickest in a game in the next-gen stats era since 2016. He was uh, on those throws that took under two and a half seconds. He was 16 for 16 for 140 yards and a touchdown. 16 for 16. That's you know, we, we, we talked about in week one how that, that two-shell, that two-high safety defense really caused them trouble, and they weren't able to find any space in that short, intermediate passing game. They were, they've been able to do it since, and, and uh, there was no blueprint. That was not the blueprint to stopping the Packers because they've reversed it on, on everyone else since then. <laughs> I, it was, I, I will not name names. Some national writer, the Friday after that New Orleans game, wrote about it being the kryptonite of the Packers. It's like, really? Did you not watch like the Rams playoff game? Yeah. Um, here's here's Nyman after on on the first series. I think I was a little bit crazy. My footwork and everything. I think I just needed the first try to get the jitterbugs out. But yeah, um, they certainly helped him a fair amount. I mean, there was plenty of chip blocks and you know Deguar was in there some, but 
for your number three offensive tackle for the guy replacing the guy who was replacing the All Pro. That's a hell not, of a job. And not only that, not bad. Diamond zero career starts. Runyon had one. The rookies had two. So you had five career starts among four of the five offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I can say defensive line with four first round draft picks, and they still held up. Pretty damn good. Yeah, and again, like like you mentioned, with the time to throw the floors, game plan certainly helped. Yep. Um, but you you got to execute it. What do you think of the defense tonight? I, I thought uh, I'll give my quick thought, then let you take over. I thought they were really good in the first half. Um, there's nothing you can really do about that Trey Lance run in for the touchdown at the end there. I mean, everyone saw that coming, but Trent Williams sent Eric Stokes to another dimension with that block. <laughs> You know, I thought there were a couple rookie plays by Stokes with the penalties. Jair didn't have his greatest night, even though he had the interception. He was beaten coverage a couple times, including for the touchdown um, to Ayuk. Their run defense was really good. I thought their pass rush was better. But it's just in those moments when you need them to step up most. They did at times tonight, you know, that fumble recovery from Campbell, but there's something like at the very end, they just let the 49ers march right down the field. And look, I understand there were some questionable calls. I'm agreeing with that, but there still is a level of, can we really trust this Packers defense when it matters most? Yeah, no doubt about that. But you, you mentioned the run defense. Run defense was by far the best of the year. Again, yeah. we were, that was what their, their third string running back for the Niners or sixth string. I mean, I have no idea. They've been wiped out with injuries, but. Uh, the injury under Shanahan is they've run the ball with whoever's been back there. Um, but if you get out of a game giving up 3.2 yards per carry, you'll take that. And you're, I thought the pass rush was really great. I don't, and I'll have to go back and look. I'm um, just watching it live. I don't think Barry blitzed the bejesus out of Garoppolo to accomplish it. I just think Kenny Clark was really good. Tyler Lancaster had a rush. Dean Lowry had a rush. Preston Smith was in there quite a bit. So was Gary. Garber yep. had a couple. Um, it was better, and again, I don't think they had to, to sell the farm to get there. So I think those, I think those two things are encouraging. So if you're the glass half full person, you say Jair will play better than he did tonight. Eric Stokes is going to keep growing, and I like Chandon Sullivan better than than Kevin King. I've said that last week. So I, I think they're real building blocks, Matt. If, if Stokes, if Stokes can get to be a consistent corner by, you know, week eight or so when the schedule gets pretty hard. If he can be a legit starter by that point, I think you got to feel pretty good about things. But again, we're we're talking ifs, which has been kind of the case in every podcast we've done. Big ifs. That's that's what we do here. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. I think still... Until they prove me wrong, this team is going to be a team that might have to score 30 points more often than not to win them games. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a game, especially when they play teams like the Rams and the Cardinals and the Seahawks and the Vikings. They're not going to hold those teams to 14 points. They're going to need to score 30. But guess what? Luckily for the Packers, they can score 30. And if they just beat the 49ers, who are one of the best teams in the NFC, I think, with that offensive line that they had out there, what happens when... David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are back. What happens when, um, you know, everything's firing on all cylinders and Rodgers isn't missing people? He said he, oh, he, he said he missed MVS twice more today. Like, 
if this is working out the early season kinks, then I think the Packers should be in for a fairly decent season, huh? Yeah, this is what we've, I mean, not we, this is what LaFleur said, you know, they'll, 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 they'll get things figured up. This is what Ryder said after week one, when he said it was an anomaly and all that against the Saints game. It was just going to take some time for a team that didn't have any preseason action and the Saints had a whole bunch. And the rounding in the form, again, the 49ers are certainly a flawed team. Jimmy Garoppolo is, he is who he is. And the Niners have one receiver and they got one tight end. I know Ayuk stepped up, but they've, they've been struggling a bit yep. to move the ball. But um, Joe Barry's defense went from awful in one game to an awful half the second game to a really good first half tonight and good enough to at least not get blown off the field in the second half. So I, I, I think. He's got, I would think he's happy with the progress. I would agree. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. People are done hearing our voice. I know we have a bunch of questions. Let's give the readers some more airtime than we have in the past tonight. Yes, we had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of questions here. Um, <laughs> we have a few wanting to know the size of Mason Crosby's balls, Matt. I'm just going to read it that way. <laughs> Pretty damn big. Pretty damn big. Pretty damn big after tonight. I mean, it was funny. Aaron Rodgers was facing away from the press box when he did his celebration on that perfectly placed touchdown pass to MVS um, to put them up, I believe, 24, uh, 14, I think it was. And I think he did the, the big ball celebration where he kind of, uh, you know, I can't do it since we're on audio only, but um, I think he, he did a similar celebration. I did not ask him about it, but yes, big, big cojones on Mason Crosby. And you know what's interesting? Since that Week 5 game in 2018 when he missed four field goals against the Lions, the Packers have played 50 games since then in the regular season and playoffs. Mason Crosby has missed the same amount of field goals in those 50 games combined as he did that one day. He's 65 of 69 in those 50 games since. Amazing. That's incredible. It's incredible. And, and, and yet they got a kicker on the practice squad for maybe next year, but that's a conversation for a different day, but... Rodgers' reaction when he clocked the ball with three seconds left, it's like he had won the game. I think that is the faith that they had in the kicker right there, that the game wasn't officially over, but in Rodgers' mind, the game was over. I agree. So Wisco sports fan wants to know, will Cecilia's question get asked this week? Wisco, the answer is yes. Here's Cecilia. As great as Adams and Jones are, the offense needs Tunyon and Lazard making plays. How can they get more targets moving forward? Well, I think the beauty of this offense is you don't need to have 
you know, equal production from all the guys. I think what you need, and Matt LaFleur has kind of hinted at this in calling Alan Lazard the goon, on Aaron Rodgers, um, or on Aaron Jones' rushing touchdown, I believe it was Nick Bosa who yep. uh, Alan Lazard completely wiped out. That's why he calls himself the best blocking wide receiver in the league. You know, Robert Tunyon draws, I believe it was a 32-yard defensive pass interference down the field on a very similar play uh, and throw to the one he caught the touchdown on last Monday night. Like, these guys don't have to go for six yards, six catches, and 80 touchdowns. Jesus, I cannot That'd talk be a right good now. Night, Matt. Hope you come <laughs> on your fantasy team. Six catches, 80 yards, and two touchdowns every night, or four rushing touchdowns, or whatever. Like, if they have these small or big one-time, two-time contributions, that's good enough. Because guess what? You have a wide receiver who can go for 10, 130, and 1 every game. You have a running back who can run for four touchdowns every game. And guess what? Like we saw last year, it'll be Robert Tunyon's turn one game to catch three touchdowns. But Lazard's there to do the dirty work. MVS had a little bit of a breakout game today. It doesn't have to be that constant production. I think there are so many good role players on this offense, and they really mesh well. Absolutely right. Um, when Adams is rolling like he was tonight, why would you deviate? It's not like Rodgers was force-feeding Adams the ball. I mean, the guy was open a lot tonight. So, you know what? Are we talking differently if MVS scores three touchdowns last week? Because he could have. He could have. And and Rodgers then, said then, he, then he missed him again this week. The window that, that, that Adams and Jones are carrying the load. Yep. From James Moran, and this is a great question, so I thought of this when it happened. If the roles were reversed and you were up one, kicking off with 35 seconds left, would you mortar kick it to waste more time or just kick it out of the end zone? Probably just kick it out of the end zone. Just worries me what, what can happen if you keep it inbounds. Like, I don't know if that was part of their strategy. I mean, they, the Packers certainly improved on their kick coverage, and now I'm just speaking generally, but, you know, Kickoffs in in general scare me when they're inbounds, especially since I'm used to covering a team whose kickoff coverage is historically <laughs> not great. What about you? Yeah, I'd have kicked it on the ground. I'd have made Callen Hill pick it up, figuring, you know what, the Packers special teams has, has not been great. Maybe they'll waste five seconds returning that kick. I would have kicked it on the ground and made them do something with it. So, mm-hmm. But they didn't, and they got bit. You know, this is not one of the questions, Matt, but should Juicek have gone down? You know, uh, I saw someone tweet that, you know, the the 49ers left the Packers way too much time. I don't know because they, it's not like they just needed a field goal. They needed a touchdown, and it's way more of a sure thing that you're going to get a field goal if you go down than you're going to get a touchdown because there's no telling, like, if they botch a snap or if they throw an interception or if they get stuffed, then, I mean, if you're down by six, I think you have to go in. If you're down by two, I think you can go down. You can justify going down. But I think where the 49ers aired is leaving that much time on the clock for, for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they could have... I, I, I saw someone tweet. I, I'm sorry for not crediting this person correctly, but... They snapped the ball too early and, and on that play where they passed to Juszczyk and could have left some more time uh, running off the clock, something like that. But I think the 49ers could have done a better job managing that. And Certainly 37 seconds was too much. Matt LaFleur was asked after the game how much time would he have felt comfortable with 
with no timeouts. He said 35 seconds. So uh, it was just in their comfort zone. It's an interesting thing because there's no guarantee that you are going to score, right? I mean, you know, if Amos makes a tackle on Yusek at the at the five, there, there's no look. That's obviously great that you can burn off some more time, but there's no guarantee that you score. So I'm I'm always a little bit leery of the some of these clock management second guessing because you know there's just there's just no guarantee you're going to get in. I mean, you could be like uh, Russell Wilson throwing an interception in the Super Bowl. Right? Yep. You never know what's going to happen. Yep. So I think you got to score when you can score. Mark yep. Sieber. This will be a good question because I know your opinion here. Is Devondre Campbell the Packers' best inside linebacker of the past decade? I'm exaggerating, but only a little. Now, you don't need to go back a decade, Matt, but your thoughts on Devondre Campbell. Yep. I, I That's a similar question. I got a DM from Matt Pickett, loyal listener. Um Asked if my opinion on Campbell uh, had changed. I think he's a good player. I mean, he, he attacks the, the ball carrier in the open field. Um, he had the fumble recovery. He had the interception last week. I've only been covering this team for three years, but he's certainly the best inside linebacker I've covered here. What about you? Yeah, I think it's a, the, the going back, that's the going, you're going back to Desmond Bishop. Mm-hmm. I could. Yeah, see, Bishop was really good, but he was always banged up. So I would maybe not quite go that far yet. But, you know, I'm, I'm watching a game with my wife tonight, and she goes, he's really big. <laughs> yeah. And then later she goes, and he's fast. So that's when my wife actually knows football pretty well. But um, that's like, just, I mean, seriously, I mean, the, the first time we saw him walk on the practice field back in a minicamp, I mean, just – just looks different, they, and they swung and missed on Antonio Morrison and Christian Kirksey and B.J. Goodson. This guy's good, and I think he'll get better and better as things go on. And to have a three-down line, I mean, they've had a three-down linebacker here for forever. You know, no offense to Blake Martinez, who I'm sure is not listening. Oh, I can guarantee you, he's not listening. <laughs> All right, just because this is a Yankees fan, Yankees are winning the World Series. Wants to know. Is this team a legit Super Bowl contender with Bach, Z, and Elton healthy? I think so. You saw today, anything can happen in the NFL. I mean, the Chiefs are 1-2. The Raiders and Broncos are 3-0. and um, The Seahawks lost to the Vikings. The Jaguars gave the Cardinals a fight for a while. Like, any given Sunday. I know that's extremely cliche, but it, it really is the case. And the Packers... Once they get healthy, it's not like they have Joe Schmo on, on IR. They have top five players at their respective positions on IR. They have two all-pros in, in Bakhtiari and Zedarius Smith and a Pro Bowl starter who should have been an all-pro in Elton Jenkins. So Aaron Rodgers will be nice and comfy back there once those two guys come back, and they'll generate even more of a pass rush and be able to do more things from the interior, moving guys like Z and Rashawn Gary around. Um, I think they are. They have been for the past two years, and there's no reason they shouldn't be again this year. Yeah, I agree with that. And this kind of leads into another question here from Packers Latest. Wants to know, is Stokes the legit number two cornerback? Um, I will say he better be if you want to go to the Super Bowl. Because if you look at that second-half schedule, Kyler Murray... Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, 
I know some of you got laughing at Kirk Cousins, but nonetheless, he's still a legit quarterback. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford. Then the bye, and then it's, you know, whoever the hell the Bears have. Lamar <laughs> Jackson, Baker Mayfield, then Cousins again, then Jared Goff. It's a lot of really good quarterbacks. And if Stokes is legit, they've got a shot. And if he's not legit, they don't. He showed flashes of being legit, not only last yep. week against the lowly Lions, but he had a couple nice plays tonight. Yes, um, he had a couple defensive pass interferences. Some of those were ticky-tack calls. And the the thing is, he, he's there. Like, he's in coverage. He's not blowing coverages, at least not tonight. I know he did last week. He's not blowing coverages. I think it's a lot more easy of a fix to teach him, and maybe I'm wrong, we'll ask Jerry Gray, it's a lot more easy of a fix to um, teach him how to not make that contact when he's there and in position rather than knowing the coverage and getting there in the first place. Like, he's already done the first step, which is playing essentially pretty good coverage and putting himself in position to make a play. Now it's just that small thing of not touching him with a fingertip or not touching him with too much of his hand when he is in coverage. So he's there. He's in the right spots. He's got all the physical tools, I think. And, you know, if he's able to work out kinks in a game like this and they still win, the better better it is for the Packers in the long run. Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of PIs that you see, it's because the DBs panic when the ball comes. This is just over-aggressiveness. The, the panicking stuff, I think you're screwed. If you're a little bit over-aggressive, I think, exactly like you said, Matt, I, I think you can rein that in. So I think that's a super good point. Last thing we got, and we kind of tackled this already, but the real MJR22 says, oh, I just deleted the tweet. Well, that was stupid of me. Anyway, he <laughs> wants to know if we can put once and for all the notion that Aaron Rodgers is not invested in this team to bed. Yeah, I, I, I never liked entertaining those those thoughts anyway, because it's just silly to question um, question someone like that when you don't know their motivation, know their intention. Look, if you, if you did have any reservations about that, just go watch the video of him reacting to the game-winning field goal tonight. That's all I have to say. Yeah, you know, there's an instance last week against, or on Monday night against Detroit, too, where the defense is on the field, and, and Rodgers had his towel, and he's exhorting the fans to to get louder, um, yeah, this, I don't, it's interesting, Matt. Has any athlete that you know have ever been so heavily scrutinized as Rodgers? No, but guess what? I enjoy it. I don't, uh, let me rephrase. I enjoy covering an athlete like him because he's always relevant, so there are always stories for us to write. But uh, sometimes he's fairly criticized in that regard. Sometimes he isn't, and... I think he's learned how to handle it well, and um, I'm just here. I'm just along for the ride. I'm here to write about the stuff that I know and the stuff that we know to be fact. And questioning his commitment to the team is not one of them because I think it is fact that he is committed. And he said multiple times if he wasn't 100% committed, he wouldn't have come back. And I have no reason to doubt that. Yep, exactly. He'd have been a real jackass to trade for Randall Cobb and then tank the season, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And guess Look what? Look at the Green Bay Randall. <laughs> there was a there was a picture of him on the sideline phone today. I think when the Packers were up ten nothing or something, and one of the captions was, "David Dunn, 
cancel the trade. I'm staying here. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, maybe this convinced him that this is where he needs to be. But, um, listen, we won't keep you guys too much longer. We thank you for listening, staying up. Well, you're not staying up with us. We're staying up. But whenever you listen, we thank you for listening. Uh, Appreciate you sending in your questions, as always. We'll come to you next Sunday night from Lambeau Field, where the Packers host the Steelers. So thank you guys for sending in your questions, tuning in. For Bill, I'm Matt. You know where to find us. We'll talk to you next time.